looking good. In fact, tell somebody around you, you're looking good. You're looking good. You're looking sharp. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm really excited about uh, the Sunday morning sessions that we're having and and I've uh, been talking about coming together and it looks like uh, you decided to do that this morning. I'm thrilled that you're here. Uh, you don't know how much it blesses me to have you here. And in fact, some of you may think, you know, um, I don't know if it makes a difference if I'm there or not. Listen, if nothing else, it makes me feel good. But how many of you know there's so much more than making the pastor feel good? How about a newcomer coming in and they don't see an empty seat where you sat, but they see you and they get to touch with you, touch you and, and, and interact with you. So great things uh, uh, about coming together. Everyone say coming together. Turn in your Bible to two places. Uh, turn to Ephesians 2 and 1 Corinthians 12. Ephesians 2 and 1 Corinthians 12. Kind of our keynote verses that we're looking at uh, uh, this month, maybe even longer, uh, concerning the body of Christ and the family of God and how God uh, desires us to come together. In fact, I would encourage you this week, this month, uh, to just really read the book of Ephesians, read 1 Corinthians 12, and really a lot of the letters that have to do with the family of God coming together. Uh, in fact, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, kind of our keynote verse, I'm going to read cha uh, chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, uh, but then you'll see this verse here. In fact, let's just uh, look at this verse that you see on the screen, Ephesians 2, 19b. It says this, you are members of God's very own family. That, that makes me feel special. Amen. I'm members of God's very own family. And look at this. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. That's the living Bible. And I love that. And I want you to take that as, and, and even memorize that. And, and, and every Sunday that you wake up and you just think, ah, maybe so, maybe not. You need to say, hey, but wait, the Bible says I'm members of the family and, and I belong in God's household with every other Christian. That's where I belong. Amen. And that's okay to go vacate and enjoy yourself. We're not legalists around here, but how many of you know family needs to come together? Amen. Everybody say come together. So here's this passage of scripture, chapter two, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Now, I have to stop. We're going to look at this, the, the verses before this, therefore, but it has to do with the fact that Christ died for us and brought us together. Okay. He brought the two together, the Jews and the Greeks, the, uh, everybody come together. Amen. Red and yellow, black and white. Come on, somebody say amen. We're all precious in his sight. And so that's why the therefore is there. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens, catch this, with the saints and members of the household of God. You know, I read somewhere recently that the word member was actually coined by the early first century church to define the level of connection. Now it's been watered down. You know, I'm a member of this club. I'm a member of that club. I'm a member of Facebook, all those things. But, you know, in, in, in the Bible days, the word member defined a level of connection and commitment that we may not understand today. But he says, we're members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, pardon me, <coughs> being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, 
and whom you also are being built together. Everyone say built together. Built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Amen. Let's read this, this 219B together in the Living Bible together. Everyone loud and proud. Here we go. You are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Amen. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, just take that, hold your place there. Uh, we'll look at it in, in just a moment. Uh, but uh, here's, the, here's what I want you to get a, in your heart as we begin this new year. I share with you a novel but very biblical idea that you and I need to embrace as we begin the, uh, this new year. And here it is. You are extremely important to God and his family. And God and his family should be extremely important to you. How many of you believe that today? It's really true. And as we look at these passages of scripture and as we study the word, you'll begin to understand that more and more. Let's read this together out loud, but let's just change you to, to I and me, okay? Are you ready? Here we go, everyone. I am extremely important to God and his family. And God and his family should be extremely important to me. Now let's turn it back into you, but look at somebody and tell them this. Look them right in the old eyeball and tell them, you are extremely important to God and his family. And God and his family should be extremely important to you. It's really true. In fact, when you study the Bible and what Paul, how, how he talks about the church, uh, you know, the, the word church, ecclesia, means the called out ones. Those have been called out and called together. He talks about us in different fashions. In fact, this verse that we read a few moments ago, he, he referred to being built together like a building. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and we're being fitted together and joined together as a building. Uh, uh, and then he talks about us not only being a building, uh, but then he talks uh, about us being the family of God. You belong in God's household. It's a family term. And so we're a family. Everyone say we're a family. Everyone say we're a building. We're being built together for a habitation of God in the spirit. But then one of the ones I really love, and he hits this in different ways all throughout his writings, we are his body. And that's the greatest illustration. And that's where 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, really all the way down through verse 28 come into play, verse 27. And uh, though I won't read it in its entirety today uh, for the sake of time, uh, uh, I want you to know that, you know, he goes through there and he talks about us, that God is the head and we are his body. And, uh, and the hand can't say to the other parts of the body, I have no need of you. He's trying to get us to understand that what I told you just a few moments ago, that we are extremely important to God and his family and God and his family are extremely important to us. We really can't live without one another. You say, well, wait, preacher, I, I lived a long time without being a part of the church. I'm not talking about sucking air and, 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 you know, and raising it. I'm talking about uh, really living the way Christ would have us live. The life we have in Christ ought to be connected to the body of Christ. You see, when you became uh, uh, born again, just like that first, uh, that, that first verse I shared with you from the Living Bible. Listen, we belong in God's household with every other Christian. We are born again into the family of God. And you'll learn today that by the Spirit of God, we were birthed into 
the family of God and into the body of Christ. And so extremely important for us to understand that we are his body. And as his body, we have responsibility for one another. Amen. How many of you appreciate your body working together to, uh, to keep you uh, moving in the right direction? Wouldn't it be a bummer if you woke up this morning, your feet said, uh-uh, I ain't going. I'm rebelling. I, I feel like staying home and watching reruns of Oprah. Uh, you know, it just doesn't work. You know, your feet, it doesn't work. We've all worked together and our body works together. In fact, the scripture teaches throughout scripture that this is the heartbeat and the mindset of God. This is his plan. In fact, you know, in creation, what did he do? He looked down from heaven and what did he see? He saw, he created Adam and he created all the animals and everything. He looked at Adam and he said, it's not good that he should be what? Alone. It's not good for us to be unrelational and disconnected. And that's just the heartbeat of God. In fact, in prophecy, and we'll look at this briefly again, I mentioned it last week, Ezekiel 37. It's a great vision. You ought to read this vision. In fact, just go to Ezekiel 37. He has this vision. It's the valley of dry bones. And he looks out over this valley of dry bones and the Lord speaks to Ezekiel, said, can these bones live? And Ezekiel being a kind of a, you know, when God asks you a question, you got to be careful. And so he deferred back. He said, only you know, Lord. Basically, God speaks to Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. And he prophesies to the bones. And, the, you know, the neck bone to the backbone. And the foot bone to the leg bone. You see it coming together? You know, the thigh bone to the hip bone. It's all coming together. And they just began to come together. And then sinew and flesh. Uh, and then my kind of demented thinking, I go, well, where were their clothes? I don't know where that was, but that's where I kind of got messed up in my visual. But the, the, the real vision, they came together as an exceeding great army. Somebody say an exceeding great army. What was God saying to Ezekiel? It's my dream. It's my heart that God's people come together. Tell somebody, touch somebody on the shoulder. Give them a high five. Say, we got to come together in this thing. Come on now. We got to come together. And then when you study scriptures in Ephesians and other places, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 4, you'll discover uh, that, uh, hey, we're members together in the body of Christ. In fact, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, you know, one thing you learn about this passage of scripture is we're all unique, but we have a whole lot in common. You know, how many of you know we're, we're all unique? In fact, uh, I want to read to you one of the verses out of this, but I'm going to read it in the message. And here's what it says. It says this. I want you to think about, this is verse 14. This is in the message. It's a paraphrase. <clears throat> I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant. Everyone say more significant. What's he talking about? He's talking about the fact that we're the body of Christ and we need one another. and We've got to come together and help one another and be a part of the body of Christ. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but small, similar parts arranged and functioning together. Everyone say together. And so what we see here, in fact, uh, the New King James says we're members individually. Everyone say individually. You see, some people think when they join the church and they really get plugged into Jesus, they, that they lose their identity. Not true. 
In fact, what we learn from this verse 14 in the message is that, hey, God created us all different, but we, in fact, our identity is more significant as we plug into the body of Christ. How many of you know a finger all by itself doesn't make much of a difference in the world, right? Now, if you're missing a finger, it makes a big difference. But the missing finger makes no difference. Are you with, did you catch that little play on words? If you're missing one, you know it. But if you are the missing one, listen, you just moved into a land of insignificance. You just moved into a lifestyle of insignificance and making no big difference in the world. And so God wants us to make a big difference in the world and we've got to do it together. Everyone say together. Tell somebody together is always better. And so we're more members of the body of Christ. And here we go. I want you to catch this. Being a Christian and connecting and committing to the local church, guess what? It's not about losing our identity. It's about gaining it. We don't lose who we are. We gain. We we discover. we, We develop. We find who we really are in Christ when we become a Christian and plug into the body of Christ and plug into the family of God. Amen. I think about Peter. Peter's one of my heroes. You know that. And Peter, his identity pre-Christ was pretty bad. History tells us basically he more than likely flunked out of, uh, of, of rabbi school. He was a flunky. So he became a fisherman and he wasn't doing his, his identity. All we know about Peter, his identity prior to Christ stepping into his world and getting into his boat, his fishing business was going down the tubes too. Anybody ever feel that way? His, he had no real positive identity in life, but when he met the master, things began to change in his life. And (coughs) pardon me. Luke chapter five says this, that, that Jesus said, if you'll just follow me, I'll make you what? Fishers of men. It's right there, Beverly. It's pretty obvious. I need help this morning. Thank you. Everybody look at, look at your, uh, your pastor and lift your hand and say, help him, Jesus. <laughs> help him, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. And so Peter began to follow Jesus. And one day Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? You remember the story, Matthew 16? He said, well, some say you're this, some say you're that, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, the, the, the rabbi flunky, the, the, the burnout fisherman, God had begun to work in him. He said, well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You remember? And Jesus whirled around and said, oh, you got that one right. All of a sudden, something lit up in Jesus. And he looked around and he said, you know, let me tell you something. I'm changing your name. I was watching basketball the other day. I don't know this guy. But some basketball player changed his name to Meta World Peace. Just kind of irritates me. I said, I want to know your real name. I forgot it. He changed his name. When Jesus changes your name, something's really happening. He said, you used to be Simon, but I'm calling you now Peter. Now, if you know the roots, and this is kind of hard to find, but the the root meaning of Simon means a reed, 
R-E-E-D. How many of you know, in fact, the Bible says uh, sometimes we're like a reed blowing in the wind. We have no stability. We're kind of, uh, we're kind of succumbed to the to elements of life. He said, you're no longer Simon. And the Greek rendering for this is, I'm going to begin to call you what you will one day be. I'm going to call you Peter. You're a rock. Now here's the funky rabbi student, the failing fisherman. Something begins to happen as he gets connected. Everybody say connected. God begins, and and what happened to Peter? He found his identity as he began to follow Christ and plug into the fellowship of the saints. And so I want you to understand something, that as we plug in and we connect, we really discover more and more of who we are in Christ and in the family of God. A lot of people say this, well, I don't know what God's called me to do. You plug in. In fact, you know the first thing Jesus told Peter and the disciples to do? He said, I'm just calling you to be with me. Phase one, follow me. Phase one, hang out with Jesus. Hey, you want to know how to get from point A to point B? You want to know how to kickstart your walk with God? You want to know how to really kickstart 2013, right? Start hanging out with Jesus. Touch somebody say, he's talking to you this morning. It's really true. And so being a Christian is not about losing our identity. It's about gaining it. And we need to embrace that. And, and, and now, do me a favor. You're in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, quickly, uh, I hope you held your place in Ephesians. We're going to go back there in a minute. I want to show you something in Acts chapter 4. Turn over there. Acts chapter 4. The church is born. Things are happening. People's lives are being changed. The church is growing. Amen. And they are beginning to discover that they have a lot in common in Christ. Let's read it together. Acts chapter 4. If you're there, say, I'm there, preacher. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. In fact, I saw some things in this, in this this morning that made me want to revisit this again really soon. It says, now the multitude of those who believed. Is that you? If you're there and that's you, say amen. The multitude of those who believed, catch this, were of one heart and one soul. That says a whole lot. In other words, they were connected together. They were coming together. They're of one heart and one soul. And neither did anyone say any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. Everyone say all things in common. In other words, because of the uniqueness of this scenario, in fact, if you read on, you'll discover that they pooled their resources to help make this thing happen. How many of you know that's called coming together? But catch this. And with, now, they came together. They began to work together to see the church grow and prosper. Look in the next verse. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I got a feeling. I said, I got a feeling. That the reason the apostles had great power was not just because of the Holy Spirit in their life, but because the church had started coming together. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to come together on this thing. And now catch the, oh, 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 oh. This, is where my, this is where I lit up in my spirit, in my spirit this morning. And, and great grace 
was upon them all. Somebody say great grace. We just came out of ending the year talking about new levels of the favor of God. How many of you know grace is God's unmerited favor? Listen, when the church began to come together and connect with one heart and one soul, the power of God began to be released and the gospel began to go forth. And in the church, there was a new level of grace came upon them. Somebody say great grace. I'm getting fired up this morning. In fact, let me just tell you, we're in the middle of the Daniel fast. We've made it a week already. It just went by like that. I hope you're joining in with us. And let me tell you something. I'm sensing, I'm sensing some of this happening in my heart and in our church. Somebody say amen. New levels of grace and mercy. So we've got a lot in common. They, had, they were with one heart and one soul. Now, are you back in 1 Corinthians 12? You remember the, bo- the body of Christ? I said this, we're, we're unique but we're all have a lot in common. Now, quickly, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you 10 points of commonality that we have together. Things that we need to embrace with one another and realize who we've got a lot in common. Look at your neighbor and say, we got a lot in common. And so first Corinthians 12 reveals some of that. Uh, but let me do, and then, then Ephesians, I hope you're in Ephesians too. I'm going to give these things to you pretty quick. And then we're going to just really connect with God and one another at the place of prayer. Here you go. Are you ready? There's 10. I don't normally give you 10, but I think you can handle it. Look at your name and say, uh, can, can you handle this? 10, 10 thoughts? Yeah, they're going to go quick. Here we go. The first one is, we all have in common, number one, a common salvation. A common salvation. Romans 6, 5 says, for you have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. He's talking about death, burial, and resurrection. In other words, we've been united together by the power of the cross. Amen. That what, that's what brings us together is the power of the cross. Jude 1, 3 uh, says this. Jude said, I, I was diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. We have a common salvation. In fact, <clears throat> if you go to Ephesians, if you'd, li- if you'd like, uh, let me show you this. If you go back to Ephesians, here's what Paul said to the church in Ephesus and to us as well concerning our common faith, our, our common salvation, Ephesians 2, 14. This is the therefore that I was referring to a few moments ago. For he himself, that's Jesus himself, is our peace who has made both one or both groups one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, speaking about the Jews and the Gentiles, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, abolished in his flesh, he's talking about the, his, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one man from the two, there's the body of Christ again, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile, somebody say reconcile, that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross. You see, we have a common salvation. In fact, did you know this, that we all walked through the same door to get to God? We have that in common. You didn't get to, you know, uh, somebody said, well, pastor, now come on, all roads lead to God. Let me, let me throw that out. Yeah, all roads will ultimately lead you to God. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But let me tell you something, all, do, all roads don't lead you to heaven. 
All roads don't lead you into the family of God. You will, we will all one day stand before God. Whatever road you take, you will one day stand before God and God will separate the, the sheep and the goats and there will be a separation point. Listen, there's only one way to God in heaven. There's only one way to be born again into the family of God. And Jesus said this in John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, we have a common salvation. We have that in common. I've been around the world a number of times. And guess what? Even though I can't speak their, speak their language, there's a commonality with the body of Christ because we, we all know him. Amen. And as a result, number two is obvious, we have a common faith. We trust God. We don't trust in ourselves. We trust in God and our common faith. Paul told Titus, he said to Titus, my own son, after the common faith, we believe in him together. In fact, when Peter was writing his letter in 2 Peter 1.1, he said to those who have obtained a like precious faith. We have a common salvation. We have that in common. We have a common faith. And the Bible says that faith is what God has born again. For by grace, Ephesians 2 says, you are, you're saved through faith. And that wasn't even of yourselves. It was a gift of God. Not by works, lest any man should boast. We have a gift of faith together. We have a common faith. And that's result number three. We have a common inheritance. How many of you know, as members of the family of God... We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Listen, the more you and I connect with God and his family, the more we understand our inheritance and what we have in him. Most people, listen, most people I know live way beyond, below who they are as a member of the family of God. Hello, anybody home this morning? We live way below who we are as a member of the family of God. We have a common inheritance. Listen, and our inheritance is great. Some of you think, well, I don't have much of an inheritance. Oh, you know, my parents say, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about eternal inheritance in him. And all the scriptures filled with illustrations, Ephesians 1.18, Paul prayed for us. And this is what he prayed, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. It's what he wants us to know, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Everyone say, in the saints. You see, it's not about me and mine. It's about us and we, that we may know what our inheritance is. In the saints, listen, there's something you and I will never obtain in, we'll never connect, we'll never receive until we get in the family of God. Come on, could I get a better amen? It's true. I promise you that. So we have a common salvation, we have a common faith, we have a common inheritance, and as a result also we have a common authority. Ephesians chapter 1 <coughs> verse 22 says this, and he put all things under his feet. That is God put all things under Jesus' feet. Okay, now catch this. And gave him, that is Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. We have a common authority. His name is Jesus. He is the head. 
He's the one in charge. Amen? Contrary to common belief, Pastor Sam is not in charge of this church. I have delegated responsibility, but he is the final authority. He's the head of the church. Amen? I've had people come. It's kind of funny. I've had people come through these doors. They don't know who I am. And sometimes I don't dress very pastoral. And they say, I need to talk to who's in charge. And I look more like the janitor than the pastor. I said, well, how can I help you? No, I need, I, I need to talk to who's in charge. I said, well, who, what do you mean who's in charge? Well, the pastor. And I go, you're talking to him. And they go, ooh, okay, I don't know. They won't know who's in charge. Let me tell you who's really in charge. He's in charge. And when we understand he's in charge of our life, hey, guess what? We got that in common. He's in charge. You know, when he's in charge, there'll be no trouble in the family of God because we're all endeavoring to obey the one who's in charge. Amen. So we have a common authority. The Bible tells us that, hey, number five, we have a common history. Now, wait a minute. You know, I just met one of our new guests. He's from Wisconsin. Came all the way from Wisconsin. Raise your hand, Wisconsin. And I don't know how the, the Wisconsin and he, he's kind of mourning the Packers loss yesterday. But we have a different history as biologically may be. But guess what? As a Christian, we have the same history. Because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 says, well, verse 1, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. How many of you know we have that in common? We are all natural born sinners. How many of you are just natural born sinner? You were born, you were, in fact, he goes on to say, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Woo, that stinks. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, just as everybody else. There's, we have anybody watch the movie Help? The Help, Beverly's favorite movie, by the way. There were people in the movie. They thought they were better than everybody else. How many of you know? On our best day, in our own strength, we're all going to split hell wide open in a hurry. But I love the next part. But God. Somebody say, but God. <clears throat> but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, he made us alive together in Christ. We all have the, we all have the same history. We're all lost and without him until he came. And pave the way for us. We have a common authority. We have a common history. Number six, we have a common position. Now, this is because now we're new creations in Christ Jesus, we have a new place in, in, in the grand scheme of things. We have been promoted into a whole new realm as a child of God. You see, we came out of that darkness, but now we've been promoted into the family of God as a child of God. Uh, we were by nature children of wrath, but God. And now we have a new position together. Look in verse uh, uh, 6, chapter 2. And he raised us up together. Somebody say together. You see, it's about coming together. He raised us up together and made us sit, what? Together. In heavenly places 
in Christ. And remember that word in means in a fixed position. I'm fixed in him. And as a result, I have a new position. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. You talk to some Christians and they're down in the basement digging holes. They're they're moaning and groaning and complaining. And they got the whole wrong understanding. And they have yet to realize as a child of God, their position with Christ is they're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And they're looking down on their circumstances rather than looking up. Come on. Hey, tell somebody we got to keep looking down. Wait a minute, what do you mean? Well, if you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, you're looking down on the circumstance. Hello. You see, when you understand your position, it'll affect your condition. Oh, my condition's pretty bad. I got a bad condition. I got a skin condition. I got a marriage condition. Makes me kind of itch too. I got all kinds of bad conditions. Well, when you understand your position, it starts helping out your condition. Well, I thought you're supposed to pray for me and slap me around speaking tongues. Well, I'll slap you around if you want me to. I've been feeling a little cranky lately anyway. But the main thing is, understand who you, hey, this is what we have in common. He made us sit together. We got to sit together. You know what irritates some people? I'll tell you, if I did this right now, it would throw some of you completely out of sync and you'd never come back. If I said right now, okay, everybody stand up and go sit with somebody you don't know. (laughs) In fact, the Barrios, if you get in that fourth row back, they might bite you because that's where they sit every Sunday. We may never get out of here today. I'll never forget one time a guy called me. It was back in Quitman. He said, could I know a little, I, I like to know a little bit about your church. And so I talked to him a little bit. He said, can I come by? And I, so he came by. He said, we're hunting for a new church family. We're just new into town. Now I'm in Quitman, Texas. There's not much goes on there. We're just new into town. Somebody moved here. <laughs> and so we talked a little bit. And, uh, and so the next Sunday they were there and then on Monday we count the offering and they count the offering and that guy had dropped like 10 grand in the tithe. Man, I'm telling you, this preacher was going, man, I love, I love these people moving to East Texas now. That's, that's great. And I called him and I just had to say, listen, sir, I, I'm just amazed at your generosity. He said, well, you know, we went down to one church over here close to the house. And we sat down and one of the deacons moved us because we were sitting in Brother So-and-So's chair. So we figured we wasn't welcome there. I said, you can have any church, any chair in this house. You can, you can, you can sit on the podium. I don't care. But listen, understand something. All of us are welcome to be seated together That's our new position in Christ. Amen. And if you want to be in Christ, you got to learn to get together. We got to learn to get together. So that's a great commonality. And then number seven, we have a common spirit. The Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit for all of us. In fact, Ephesians 2.18 says this. It says, for through him, we both have access by one spirit to the father. 
You see, the Holy Spirit, we've all been given the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pause and say, if you weren't here uh, Wednesday night because of the storm, we began the new series and small group session called uh, uh, The God I Never Knew. It's about falling in love and building a relationship with the Holy Spirit who is a person. If you weren't here next Wednesday night, we're going to, we'll, we'll start the video at 630 of, of last week. You can come and catch up and then we'll do the next, next one and we'll break up into small groups. But let me say, wow. How many of you, how many of you were here Wednesday night? There were a few. Could, could, could you testify with me that what we learned about grieving the Holy Spirit radically changed your whole life? I got my hand up. It radically changed my life. I had never heard what I heard. It was amazing. It was simple. And I realized, wow. If you weren't here, you can be here. But guess what? We have a common, common spirit, the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 2, 18. <coughs> In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, we're talking about the body of Christ. When Paul starts talking about the body of Christ, you know the first thing he wants us to know, uh, to know is that we all have been baptized together in the body of Christ by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God's responsibility. When we gave, ooh, I'm preaching now. When we gave our lives to Christ by faith and we said, I trust you, I believe you. The Holy Spirit, God, under the instructions of God Almighty, the Holy Spirit grabbed us up in the Spirit and immersed us into the body of Christ. We became born again into the family of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened to all of us. Amen. I have a common spirit, Holy Spirit. And he is a person. And you can grieve him. But if we come together in the spirit, worship in the spirit with the understanding also, wow. Number eight, we have a common foundation. Ephesians 2.18 says this, I read it, or 2.19 and 2.20 were built together on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. It's talking about the word of God in reality. We have a common foundation. We're built together. It's not little independent. I'm going to get on a soapbox. Let me look. Have you ever heard this? We're just going to have church at home. got really quiet. We're our own little independent church. Here's a church, here's a steeple. Here's a church, here's a steeple. Open the door and there's all the people. There's my wife and there's my two little babies. And there's, uh uh-oh, somebody's in, I don't know who that is. They better get out of there. Because it's just my little church family. We're a little independent, self-sufficient. Let me throw this in there. Insignificant because we're not part of the body of Christ. We've been built on the common foundation. If you start, let me tell you something. You go read in the Bible, you can get around the fact that God wants local churches everywhere on planet Earth. And he wants you and us, me and you, to be a part of one. We're built on a common foundation of the word of God. Number uh, nine, we have a common enemy. How many of you know what I'm talking? That's what I'm talking about. We have a common enemy. Ephesians six says this. He, he, 
he kind of closes out with a finally my brethren. In other words, hey, church family, you need to understand this. We have a common enemy. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's not talking to individuals. He's talking to the church. And he says, for we do not wrestle, not I do not wrestle, you do not wrestle. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, uh, uh, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. We have a common enemy. There's, you know, there's nothing that'll kind of rally people of different divergent and unique backgrounds any faster than a common enemy. You start, you start hunting for allies in a hurry when you realize you've got an enemy on your back. We have a common enemy. Let me throw this out and I'll be done in a minute. There's some devils that need the corporate influence of fasting and prayer before they will leave you alone. There's some enemies that your kids, that you'll never get the victory over with your kids until you get them plugged into a local church. Well, they don't want to come. I don't care. I don't care if they sit on the back row and fold their hands and curse me while I'm talking. There's something super. Something supernatural about the presence of God in the local church that will begin to chip away at a hard heart. What happened in Pentecost? It says the word of God pierced their hearts. And they said, what must we do to be saved? It happened when they heard the preaching of the Word of God. We got a common devil that together we can agree together to bind those demons and devils off our families, off our kids off of our parents, off of our brothers, off of our sisters. I've seen it. I know it works. Finally, number 10. We have a common life purpose. Slip over to the next book in Philippians. Paul the Apostle tells the Philippian church that we have to strive together for something very special. Verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy. This is chapter 1 of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see see you or am absent, that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit. He's talking to the church. With one mind. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. We have a common life purpose. 
to strive together for the advancement of the good news of Jesus Christ. That he died for every man. Red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in his sight. Jesus died for us all. Paid a great price. So we could be born again into the family of God. Be pulled, as we read in Ephesians, out of the, the governance and, and authoritative totalitarian rule of the devil. And be born again into the kingdom of light. And what Paul says right there, let your conduct be worthy. Don't live over here in darkness and expect to be, be plugged into and influential and impacting in the kingdom of light. We have a common life purpose. More for heaven, less for hell. You see, we got a lot in common. And together is always better. It really is. I want to close with a couple of thoughts. I want to encourage you. In fact, if you'd like to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. One of my favorite passages of Scripture concerning the importance of the family of God. Verse 24 and 25. And let us consider one another. Stop and look up at me. What a thought. Look up at me. Come on, everybody, look up at me. What a thought. Consider one another. You know what most people do? All they consider is me, myself, and I. You see, when, we're a, when you're a family, when you're the body, we've got to consider one another. It's not just about you. I've had people say this. You've ever heard this? Well, I went to that church and I just couldn't receive. I just, I'm not receiving anything. It's because your door's shut. And they came thinking it's all about me. Well, I didn't like the preacher. He's a little old. Them bow legs just kind of distract me. <laughs> Coughs all the time. Wouldn't you think he'd go to the doctor? I did. Let us consider one another. That's what it takes to come together. If you come together thinking about all it's going to benefit you, and we talked about that, you'll never come together. It's like what JFK said years ago, that's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now, I've been doing this for a while, and I've met some members, they're stirring something up, but it ain't love and good works. They think it's God's, they're God's gift to them to stir up trouble. And I want to say, let me, I'm going to get stirred up in a minute. But he said, let us, cons let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. <coughs> I love it. Consider one another, exhorting one another. And he goes on to say, and so much more as you see the day approaching. In other words, tomorrow you'll need us more than today. Tomorrow, the reality that you are very important to God and his church and God and his church are very important to you will be more true tomorrow than today. Ezekiel 37, the bones are coming together by the power of the Spirit of God. Together is always better. And as we close, understand this. As I said, it's God's heartbeat. It says we're, Ephesians says we're joined together. I want to say joined together. Remember, and this was about husband and wife, what God has joined together, let not man put us under. You remember that? Well, the Bible says that we're joined together as the family of God. God forbid that we do something in our life to disconnect rather than to reconnect. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk to you about at least four of the devil's devices that he uses to disconnect people from the body of Christ. I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. Because let me tell you something, the devil, the Bible, Paul said we should not be ignorant of his devices. I got four. Some of them are so obvious. They're just as, so obvious. But next Sunday, I'm going to share them with you. But today, we can just say, hey, we're not going to allow them, even though we may not understand all that, we're going to take our stand and be joined together. Let's stand up today. We got a lot in common here. Yeah, we're different. Look around, look around you. Aren't you glad there's not any more Sam Walkers in, in here anywhere? You can only take one, right? Aren't you glad we only got one Ryan Castile? There's only one. God broke the mold when he made Ryan. He said he broke something. We're all unique. We all have a lot in common. And together, when we come together, as Acts chapter 2 said, with one heart, one soul, embracing the commonality we have as Christians, there'll be great grace upon the church. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never been born again into the family like we talked about when we realized we 
have a common salvation. Today's a great day to yield your life to the control and the governance of the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Ephesians 2 says, but God, who's great in mercy, with his great love, which he bestowed upon us, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, today, I want to become a part of the family of God. I want to become a child of God. I want to be born again into the family of God by that spirit of God. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, wherever you are, just lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Today, I want to know for sure that Jesus lives in my heart. I belong to him. He belongs to me. Anyone here, lift your hand before we pray. Go move any further. Finally, today, if you're here and you believe God is adding you to the church family here at Church on the Rock North, hey, what a great time to plug in, get involved, and, and come together. If you're here today and you believe and, and you've never officially joined this church, you've, you're kind of looking and praying, and today something on the inside of you says, I'm home. This is where I belong. If that's you today and you can say, Pastor, today I want to connect. I want to become a member of the family of God here at Church on the Rock North. Lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me, Pastor. Anyone here before we move forward? God bless you. Anyone else? Lift your hand. God bless you. Anyone else? I'm going to ask some of our ministry team leaders to come to the front here. We're going to ask these to come, but I need some ministry team leaders to come. Uh, Anybody else say, Pastor, I believe God is touching my heart and plugging me in to be a part of the family of God. Lift your hand as well. Anyone else? Anyone else? I, I hear the voice within the voice. Amen. You can put your hands down. Finally, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, there are some areas of my life that I need to just recommit to him. And to this local church family, if that's you, lift your hand. I got mine up there. I need to make a fresh commitment to God in this church. So many different ways in my life. Amen. We're going to sing one chorus. If you lifted your hand and you said, I believe God is adding me to this church. I know this may be a little challenge for you. But as we sing one verse, uh, if you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to come and take one of these uh, uh, ministry team leaders by the hand and just say, hey, I believe God's adding me into this church family today. They'll do the rest. My wife's going to help them out. And so let's do that. Lead us in a chorus. And let's just welcome these. If you lifted your hand and you said, I believe this is my church, I'm going to ask you to come on down. Take somebody by the hand right now. Plug in. God bless you. Come on. God bless you, sir. You got our Wisconsin brother already. Amen. God bless you. Just reach out and take somebody by the hand. Reach out and grab them, Ryan. Get somebody. There we go. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, you can come up as well and take one of these by the hand and just say, I just need special prayer. We exalt you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. We thank you, Lord God. We give you glory. There's no other name. Let's sing it, church. One more time. I will exalt you, Lord.